It's June 25th, and last Tuesday it was, yes, officially summer. Now, I've never quite figured this out, these arbitrary dates that mark the beginning of a season. I know that June 21st was the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, but it was definitely not the hottest day of the year. In fact, the next day, it was colder than it had been all week, and then we had rain. It was as if summer was over and fall had begun. Yes, autumn. But that's not what summer's all about. Well, not for most Catholic young people anyway, who will be in Madrid this summer. This year's summer means World Youth Day, and that, hot or cold, long days or short days, is reason to celebrate. We gather together, under the cross, with Mary as our pilgrimage guide, to meet with the Holy Father and the bishops, and with each other, to learn about our faith and to celebrate our faith, and this year, we will gather to say, we stand firm in the faith, firm in the faith with Christ. And if you're not young, or you're not going to Madrid, or even if you don't feel you can quite stand firm in the faith, no worries. Just plant yourself in Jesus Christ. He will guide you and give you the courage and perseverance that you need for the journey. He will give you the thirst for truth and knowledge. He will give you the grace to continue your search. He will build you up. Hey, that's what keeps us young, right? So here's to summer. Here's to youth. Here's to World Youth Day, and here's to an elderly man, young at heart, who gave us the gift of World Youth Day. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today is our last show of the season, but it's full of the same things that make you love Salt and Light Radio. Jillian Cantor returns with What Our Kids Teach Us. That's in about 20 minutes. Lawrence is here with our Saint of the Week, and Jenna brings us the diocesan update. And of course, Chris Demetrenko is also here and with our news headlines. Yes, uh, Pedro, we're going to be talking about the Pope's most recent international voyage. It's one that, I don't know, maybe a lot of our listeners don't even know about. It wasn't Croatia. No, there was one after that. It was just this past weekend. Also, we're going to be talking about a development with Canada's laws regarding prostitution. And finally, uh, some news involving Catholic media. Mm-hmm. Okay, so details on those stories are coming right up. Um, now, as you know, Chris, this past week was the Catholic Media Convention. Yeah. So this is the gathering of mm-hmm. all Catholic communications directors and the Catholic Press Association. Mm-hmm. And of course, Salt and Light is there. Of course. And we will be speaking with Neil McCarthy, who is the Director of Communications for the Archdiocese of Toronto, about the conference. So that's coming up in our second half hour. And also this summer, another big event happening this summer, is, uh, is World Youth Day in August in Madrid. Um, so we don't have a featured artist this week. We're going to feature World Youth Day. Mm. And uh, Salt and Light's Alicia Ambrosio, she has been working in Madrid for five months now, and she will join us to tell us what are some things that we can expect that are different for this mm. year's World Youth Day. So again, that also will be in our second half hour. And to get you, Chris, in our World Youth Day spirit, because I know that you had a very uh, meaningful uh, experience in Sydney three years ago, here is Receive the Power, the theme song for World Youth Day 2008 in Sydney, Australia. 
That was Receive the Power, theme song for World Youth Day 2008, a song written by Guy Sebastian and Gary Pinto. In about 15 minutes, what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. But before that, Chris is still here with our news. 
Yes, uh, Pedro, the Pope went to the tiny republic of San Marino this past weekend. Now, it's actually landlocked. It's located inside Italy uh, with an area less than 62 kilometers square. And most people, when they think of a country inside Italy, they think of, well, they the, think Vatican. Of the Vatican. Um, uh, and yet, like the Vatican, there is a rich Christian tradition in San Marino. And so the Pope wants people to hold on to that. Uh, but he says that people are substituting Christian values sometimes with wealth and the pursuit of wealth. And uh, there's a challenge uh, to hold on to what he called a precious deposit of Christian values. Also, he also encouraged the government to support the family and to promote and protect human life. Now, he also spoke about refugees, uh, coinciding with Monday being World Refugees Day. And he urged civil authorities and people of goodwill to guarantee a welcome and dignified living conditions for refugees until they can freely and safely return to their homeland. And so a lot of refugees have been coming to Italy and mm -hmm. around the world. Uh, the numbers that the UN have are something like 42 million people who've yeah. had to leave their, their home country. Now, the Pope also had a message specifically for young people in San Marino, and he spoke about the risk of being imprisoned in the material world and losing a sensibility towards things that concern our spiritual dimension. And he says that doesn't mean despising the use of reason or rejecting science, but uh, that, you know, we have to reconcile what he called a horizontal dimension, the things of the earth, and a vertical dimension, in other words, the things of heaven, the spiritual. Now, turning to Canada, um, we don't, I, I understand there isn't a lot of coverage of Canada's laws in the United States, but if this, uh, if this ends up changing our society, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot of it in, yes. in the U.S., and that's our prostitution laws. Um, in Ontario, in the province of Ontario, uh, last year a judge had struck down some sections of Canada's prostitution laws, and uh, those were living off the avails of a prostitute, keeping a, a common body house, uh, and sol soliciting for the pro purposes of prostitution. Now, a lot of those laws are meant to deter uh, pimping, so to speak. Yes. And uh, it was determined that, that those make prostitution more dangerous, and so they infringe on the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, the federal government and the Ontario government are appealing that ruling, and the Canadian Civil Rights League are is, is among a number of interveners uh, who are saying, you know, uh, prostitution is really antithetical to the fundamental values of Canadian Canadians. And um, uh, their lawyer said that, you know, well, sex work is not consensual for many people. Um, most people enter sex work under 18. Uh, also, the people who were uh, appealing this decision um, noted that, uh, you know, there, there are alternatives to protecting women on the streets rather than eliminating laws and, and really, uh, if you look at situations where some of those laws have been eliminated, you'll end up seeing an increase in human trafficking. So these are some of the problems that could result uh, if we end up no longer having prostitution laws in Canada, uh, starting with Ontario. And now finally, Pedro, uh, uh, some news in Catholic media, and this is something that's been highly anticipated, particularly for those people who, who follow Vatican News regularly. And that's a new portal called news.va. VA, of course, being the, the web address for Vatican 
websites. And News.va would combine Vatican Radio, uh, Vatican Television, the newspaper, the Vatican newspaper, La Servitore Romano, uh, their press office, uh, and a few other things all in one news portal. And right now they're all in, in separate web pages that, uh, that don't really share their, their collective resources. So it's going to be combining them all into one. And uh, this is going to be released on June 29th, which uh, happens to be the feast day of Saints Peter and Paul, and, uh, and also the 60th anniversary of the Pope's priestly ordination. And I'm not sure if they were the first to report about it, but I first heard about uh, this date, June 29th, from the news site of the Belgian Bishops' Conference, actually. Actually, and that will be, for me, good news to have all those resources in one, one web address instead of all the other ones. So thank you very much. Um, our last show, Chris, for the season. This is Yeah, I didn't even know. Third you d- season. You didn't even tell me this was our you're last not show. Keeping, you're not keeping track. It's uh, Time Flies. Any plans for the summer? Uh, well, I hope to do some camping. You're you're a big camper. That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I want I want to get nice. out. I haven't really gone out into to nature yet at all. I've stuck in I've been stuck in Toronto stuck this working. whole time. Stuck mm-hmm. stuck working, but doing good work. Chris yeah. Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email: radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Next up is Jenna with what you can look for in dioceses across the country this summer. But before that... Our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hi, Pedro. So I just uh, read this recently. There's a new Blessed... Um, announced by the church, so I wanted to talk about her. Pope John Paul II. No. Another new blessed. Another one. Okay. Not as significant as that one, but still interesting. Okay, Uh, okay. And I'm reading reading a book on the French Revolution right now. So this saint, this uh, blessed is from the Revolution. Uh, She was murdered during the Revolution. Um, uh, Sister Marguerite Rutan is her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was just beatified last Sunday, June 19th. Uh, the Pope was in, in San, San Marino. Marino, so he didn't, he wasn't there. He's usually not there for beatification. No, not usually, okay. Um, so anyways, she was a sister in the company of the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul. Very long. It was just the Daughters of Charity before, but then after the Revolution, there were more Daughters of Charity, like different d- different right. groups. So they, so they to- added St. Vincent de Paul because St. Vincent yep. de Paul was the one of the founders. Yeah. Uh, so she was born in 1736 in Metz, France. She was eighth of 15 children. Wow, her mother's a saint too. Yeah, and her mother was actually very deeply re- religious uh, and raised her um, in her faith. 21, uh, she began her novitiate at the mother house in Paris uh, in 1970 or in 1779. Sorry, at age 43, she was sent from Paris to southwestern France, Dax, which is just near Lourdes where she took uh, up the care of abandoned girls, opened a school um, to provide for their education and for them to have a place to live, basically. Mm-hmm. So in 1789, as we know, the French Revolution began. Uh, three years later, her community was accused of, of theft and they were in prison, so she was uh, also imprisoned. 
Several months later, after being imprisoned, the infamous uh, Reign of Terror from uh-huh. nineteen from eighteen um, sorry from seventeen uh, ninety three to seventeen ninety four. Okay, this was um, it was called the Reign of Terror because there they were, killed a lot of people. <laughs> everybody. Everybody died basically. Yeah, um, on both sides of the yeah of the think, political think divide. Think les misérables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there were yeah, mass executions and. So it was at this point that she was sentenced to death, Sister Marguerite, and she was guillotined that same day because uh, basically she wouldn't deny her faith, so she was martyred. Right. But she was accused of theft. That's bizarre. I guess they were just coming up yeah. with any excuses to throw religious people. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, the revolution was, was basically just get rid of the church, anything from the church. I mean, they, they took all the land away from the church that the church had. Yeah, right. So, so Saint Marguerite, blessed. Ru- well, she bl- will. Yes, blessed Sister Marguerite yeah. uh, Rutan um, was just beatified last Sunday, June nineteenth. In case you missed it, because right. I did. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, thank you very much, Lawrence. Lawrence, it's our last show this yeah, season, it is. It's and sad. it's a special last show for you because yeah. you're actually leaving Salt and Light this I, summer. I'm moving back home. Back home to British Columbia. That's right, Vancouver Island. So maybe we'll uh, we'll still be hearing from you, and you do the odd uh, report. Yeah, maybe or that some would corresponding. Be, that would be fun for either TV or radio. Um, it's been great having you, Lawrence. Lawrence Flucco, who's who's become our saint expert. Yes. Maybe he'll uh, he'll he'll write a book now. Uh. Um, but anyway, it's it's over, but it's not quite over because Lawrence is going to be back in about ten minutes with our TV programming highlights for the week. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Anna DaCosta, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or off iTunes. And to figure out what your kids can teach you, stay right here, because coming soon is our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor. But first, here's Jenna with our diocesan update. Good day, Pedro. This is our last segment, so I'm going to make it a good one here. We're starting out in Calgary. They're having their second annual Christian Music Festival. Last year was a big hit, apparently, so it's back for round two. It's actually going on right now, but it's not too late to jump in tomorrow for the second part of it on the 26th on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's in Rockyford, Alberta, and it's, it's really big this time around. Uh, people are coming together from all over the diocese for Christian music artists, um, for the two days of music, praise and worship, inspirational talks, and the bishop, Bishop Henry, will be there as well. So jump in on that if you can. Also in the Archdiocese of Edmonton, they are celebrating as a diocese, this is kind of neat, the 60th anniversary of the priestly ordination of His Holiness, Pope Benedict. So in honor of the 60th anniversary, a big milestone, Mm -hmm. they're having 60 hours of adoration nonstop for him, for his ministry, and just in in honor of all he's done for the church and all of that. So that will be happening on June the 29th, beginning at 7 a.m., and it will end on July 1st. And that's at Corpus Christi Perpetual Adoration Chapel at the St. Andrew's Center in Edmonton. And you don't have to sign up. You can just come on and so head out to that one. Also, the Archdiocese of Winnipeg and St. Boniface together are putting on Manitoba's Outdoor Passion Play. It kind of reminds me of that passion play they do in, in Germany, I guess. This is not their first time doing this, but it's returning this summer to La Riviere, Manitoba, from July 8th to the 10th. Gates open at 5.30 p.m., performance at 7.30, and that's at the Oak Valley Outdoor Theatre. You can visit, as for all of these other listings, you can visit the Archdiocese website for more information. And again, that's on Friday, July the 8th. 
Also, we have at the Basilica of Notre Dame in Montreal, we have a Festival des Grands Orgues, which means a big organ concert. So if organs are your thing, you should probably go to this. The big uh, maestro, I guess, from the Paris Cathedral is coming all the way from Notre Dame in Paris to put on this big show. So it's basically a showdown between organists, and this is going to be happening every Sunday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. So you want to catch that, and that's at Notre Dame in Montreal. Nice. Yeah, pretty neat. And lastly, but not leastly, the Paulists in Toronto are holding their first time around a solemn high mass on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. So that will be Friday, July 1st. And the big deal with this is it's a solemn mass according to the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite. And it will be celebrated at St. Peter's Church on Bathurst Street in Toronto. And it will be celebrated by Father Stephen Sedzatsky. I'm going to try that. And Father Paul Dobson, as well as Father Kim D'Souza as well. Oh. Yes, I think. Kim's a good friend. Uh, yes, we are friends with Father Kim. And also the most reverend John Boissonneau, Aux- Auxiliary Bishop of Toronto, will be the homilist. So again, that's at St. Peter's Church in Toronto. Well, good. Thank you very much. Now, Jenna, last show of the season has exactly. been good. This is our third, third year of Salt and Light Radio. Believe it or not, you've been part of Quite this last year. Um, yeah. Any plans for the summer for you? Lots of plans. It'll be a good summer, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah. good. Thank you very much. Thank you for being thank with you, us. Thank you, um, And to our dear listeners, thank you for, for being part of our diocesan update. Um, you can still let us know what's happening. Um, we start back again in September. Just send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And now it's time for... What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Welcome back, Jillian. Hi, Pedro. How are you today? I am very good, thank you. So what have you learned from your kids this week? Well, this week, usually I talk about something that my kids actually taught me, as the name of the show would indicate. But I guess it's not so much that they yeah, it was a, a lesson coming directly from them, but just in general, having kids this week taught me um, to better trust in the Lord and His provisions so that we can, in turn, provide for our kids. Okay, how is that? What, what has happened this week? That, well, that... it's a big lesson, and it came in a big way. <laughs> okay. Um, David and I bought a home. So, oh, I know. New house. We, ha- we have it. We live in a small townhouse presently, which we own, but um, we're quickly outgrowing with our very active boys. Yes. Um, and so, the time has come that we thought, well, we should start looking. But it, it happened in a very quick way that we weren't expecting. Just something became available, and all roads seemed to lead to that one house, um, which is now going to be our, hopefully, our perfect family home. Wow. Um, and there was some points along the way where David and I were thinking, this is happening too quickly, too easily. Um, are we sure this is the right thing, or are we just, are we just getting it over our heads? Um, but in the middle of all that worrying and all that fretting, um, we read in the Gospel of Matthew, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow huh. will take care of itself. And so all that fretting, it seemed for naught. So you know, this is a gift from God really, yes. that he is providing for us and enabling us to have this home for our children. And not just, yeah, I guess the, the lesson that I was really struck by was that it's not just God providing us with, with a happy, healthy environment 
um, so that we can pass the faith on to our kids. But this happy, healthy environment is itself an expression of our faith, that we yes. trust in the Lord and have said, yes, thank you for this, this gift, this blessing that you are giving to us. Um, and now how can we use it to bless you? And you know, whether that's um, raising a home where our kids' friends will feel welcome or the people that we will have as guests in our home or whatever it is. Yes. Um, we just really feel like we need to take what, is, what the Lord is providing for us and to turn it around and be able to provide for him. Yeah. Wow. You know, can I just add something? Because we have a, an interesting story when we bought a house mm-hmm. and it was very similar. It wasn't a, a, a quick thing like, like your experience. It seemed to drag forever, but it was really a lesson, not so much in trusting God, but in God cares about all these insignificant, poten- seemingly in- insignificant yeah. things like the size of the yard yeah. or the, the how many trees do you have or <laughs> does it have central air or an indoor garage, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like you think, well, I don't really need all those things, but God cares mm-hmm. that yep. you have those things because you want them because you're creating a space for your family and, right. and for the yeah. faith to grow. Really, so yeah, it's about that environment that yes. is enabling us to, to make for our kids. So, so yeah, so having kids... Is what I mean. Re- essentially, the house is for them <laughs> because yes. it's for them to grow and to be loved and to love, and and so we're excited that um, yeah we can make this move. <laughs> Good, and I'm excited for the housewarming party yeah, that's coming. Come on over anytime. Anytime the barbecue at <laughs> Jillian Cantor's. The big backyard. So maybe not all the listeners can fit in the yard, but definitely Pedro, your you and your family. As many as we can fit on the radio. Yeah. Jillian Cantor, thank you very much. Uh, a proud owner of a new home. <laughs> Good to talk with you, Pedro. Jillian Cantor, she's also the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and she's a wife and a mother of two. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and our programming assistant is Lawrence, and he's right here with some highlights for our TV programming. Hi, Pedro. Uh, so we have... The Pallium Mass, Wednesday, June 29th, live at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. It repeats at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Okay. So this is the, this is the Mass and, and where the Holy Father imposes the Pallium on the new Metropolitan Archbishops. Yes. So any new Archbishops. I believe there's one new Canadian Archbishop, Archbishop Lacroix, I That's believe. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, that'll be on Wednesday, June 29th. 10 a.m. Eastern, an hour later, Pacific time. Um, and then it's going to be rebroadcast that same evening? No, it's 10 a.m. Eastern. That's 7 a.m. Pacific. Ah. That's the live. That's one, right. one time live. And then it repeats at 8 p.m. Eastern and 9 p.m. Pacific. There you go. Sorry for confusing everybody. 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. That's right. right. And then we have uh, on Thursday a new witness. Um, actually, we have it. It starts tomorrow, Sunday, June 29th, and it repeats Thursday, June 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern, mm-hmm. 9 Pacific. This new witness episode is with Cardinal Wuerl, Cardinal uh, Donald Wuerl, the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., and the chairman of the U.S. Bishops Committee on, on uh, Doctrine. So I remember him. I remember when he came here and he said Mass for us uh, in our studio. Yes. And I was talking to him, and yeah, he really struck me as a very humble man. Yeah, no, he's good. So that'll be tomorrow, Sunday, June 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern? 9 p.m. Pacific. Witness, and then then it repeats on Thursday, June 30th. At 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 9 Pacific. Pacific. Same time. Excellent program with uh, Cardinal Whirl. 
and uh, openings. I believe you have a new concert. Oh, it's not new. No, we have a repeat of the concert with Matt Marr right after Witness on Thursday, June 30th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. And if you, uh, well, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with Matt Marr. He's been a Salt and Light uh, radio guest, um, and uh, he's, a, he's a good friend. If you don't know Matt Marr, I encourage you to tune in Thursday night to watch this concert. He's, he's excellent. He's very, very good. So you will not be disappointed. Thursday no. after Witness. So it's June 30th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, an hour later Pacific time. That always confuses people, but, but it's because we rebroadcast. So the rebroadcast is That's at right. 9.30 Pacific. So 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. That's right. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Lawrence Fluco, he's been our faithful uh, saint expert and programming assistant. Thank you very much for being being with us, man. Thank you. Um, and a reminder to our listeners, if you're outside our TV broadcasting area, you can still watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up in our second half hour, there's an update from the Catholic Media Convention. And have you heard the theme song for World Youth Day Madrid 2011? Stick around. Hello and welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. The Catholic Media Convention this year was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The convention brings together members of the Catholic Press Association of the United States and Canada, the Catholic Academy for Communication Arts Professionals, and the Association of Roman Catholic Communicators of Canada, as well as diocesan communications and public relations directors of the United States, for the purpose of spiritual, economic, and professional development. Neil McCarthy is the Director of Communications for the Archdiocese of Toronto. I had the chance to speak to him at the beginning of the convention. Neil, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Good to be with you, Pedro. So, Neil, um, why, why do we have this convention? You know, it's, it's a great opportunity every year for, for those working in Catholic communication in many different areas to come together, I think, for, for you know, first and foremost, for fellowship, for friendship, um, personal renewal, spiritual renewal. Um, practically speaking, we also get a chance to talk about issues that are of concern to us in our day-to-day work. Uh, we get together and sh- share, you know, joys and struggles that we have, opportunities and challenges. And we also get together to uh, to, to pray together, uh, spiritually support one another. It's uh, challenging uh, positions that we have in church communications at times. And so to come together for some personal, spiritual, and professional renewal is, uh, is a welcome opportunity for all of us. Yeah, right now, so there are... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of the people that are, that are there are diocesan directors of communication and public relations. But there are also... Uh, sorry? You probably got a mix. You probably got about a... I'd say probably a 50-50 split between... Really? Okay. Uh, those, yeah, that those that uh, are diocesan communication professionals and then others that run um, Catholic um, media, media outlets. So okay. They may be television, they may be radio, uh, predominantly... Um, newspaper publications or magazines as okay. well. Okay, so I was going to ask you, why uh, why is it important for this, these two groups to have their convention together? Because it wasn't always well, that it, way. Yeah, you know, in some cases, um, you've got uh, just the, the reality of the economic situation. <laughs> you've got right. some people that wear dual hats. So in some dioceses, you have 
the director of communications is also the editor of the uh, the newspaper or the magazine for the diocese. Right. So that's practical. Yeah. But the other thing is, actually, I, I just came out of a workshop uh, that was on nurturing teamwork between communication directors and editors. Uh, we work so closely together, and we can't forget that you know church communication is a large umbrella under which we serve. Um, you know the the day to day activities that we're involved with maybe different, but at the end of the day, it's about evangelizing, it's about catechizing, it's about uh, raising awareness to the, the important work of the Church. And so, for that reason, I think it's, it's important that we're under the same umbrella and that we're, we're working together on it. So, you mentioned that, that uh, one of the things that you do is that you sort of address some concerns that might be uh, of relevance that particular year. Are there any specific topics that are being covered this year that maybe were not of concern in previous years? You know, some of them... Uh, uh, are, are topical in terms of a particular year. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, last year certainly people were talking a lot about the uh, the uh, abuse situation that was first center for many dioceses around uh, North America. Yeah. Um, you know, this year there's discussions uh, around the Roman Missal and the implementation of the new translation, um, but. A lot of the sessions are uh, more general in the sense of they're dealing with issues that, that are, are constant ones. So, I mean, the, like I said, the session I just was at, you know, nurturing and fostering teamwork between communication directors. Um, you know, we have a session that's going on about, uh, you know, Catholic media and parallel distinctions from the mainstream media, uh, doing more with less. Social media is a huge topic in the last couple of years in terms right. of, yeah. uh, you know, how many how much, how much resources do we have in terms of, uh, you know, devoted to to social media versus traditional, you know, newsprint publications, that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, you know, some of the topics come up again and again, but the, each year there's there's new advances, and whether it's technology or new strategies, and it's just great to be able to come together and, and sit in a room and say, okay, let's hear a little bit more about what you've you've tried that's worked, that, that hasn't worked, and, I mean, you just pick up, uh, whether it's in a workshop or in the casual conversations, great tips or, or uh, you know, support from others on uh, on. on challenges that we all face. Uh-huh. Now, um, you were part of a, a panel for, uh, uh, was it a blogging workshop that took place yesterday? Yeah, yeah. it was It was on the rules of engagement, so I was talking about blogging in the Church, and uh-huh. uh, I was part of a panel discussion that uh, uh, I sort of represented the perspective of a diocesan communications person, not only as a, a blogger, I have a, an archdiocesan blog that we maintain, um, but also in how we respond to the blogosphere and, and things that may be said about uh, our archdiocese or our bishops or our priests, the situations going on in our archdiocese. We had, um, you know, an independent blogger who was there talking more about uh, just as a Catholic blogger independently with uh, not the same sort of uh, official corporate structure that a diocese would have and, and, and their experience. And then we had a Catholic journalist, uh, John Tavis, from uh, Catholic News Service, yeah. who spoke of, uh, he was at the, the Vatican uh, Blognet, the meeting yep. they had on uh, blogging uh, just uh, last month, and so he was able to speak. And it was a great exchange, just talking about, you know, uh, some of the challenges and some of the opportunities, you know, the amazing things that the social media can can offer the Church, but also some of the, the obstacles that are there as well in terms of how do we navigate the, the murky waters at times uh, and, and dealing with some of those challenges. So it was a really uh, helpful session. Um, did you get the sense that a lot of the people participating in the workshop were, again, diocesan communicators who were interested in, in having blogs? No, you know, I think most of them were diocesan that were there. Um, some of them uh, had not 
uh, experienced uh, their own blogs, so they're talking about, you know, should I, should I right. uh, look at getting into the blogosphere? But a lot of them, I think, it's how do I respond to stories about my diocese that are out there in the blogosphere? I think that was for a lot of them. Uh, and then also to the challenge of, uh, you know, where do I find the, the time and energy and the resources with everything I already have on my uh, right. on my plate to devote to social media? And that's in many of these communication offices you have, if, you know, one person or maybe two, uh, you know, very limited resources. And, and so to be able to devote the time that's needed to do this well, something else has to kind of, uh, you know, take a back seat. And so how do you balance and juggle that? Yeah. Um, do, do you have a sense of how many Canadians are there? There's about 20, 25 Canadians that are here, that, at least uh, from the registration that I've seen. And, uh, you know, predominantly Americans. Uh, uh, there's an Australian here, actually, from Melbourne that I had a chance to uh, chat with this morning. She's great. And uh, Monsignor Ty is here from the Pontifical Council for Social Communications oh, at the Vatican. Good. So it's great to have his presence here. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting mix because you have large dioceses, small dioceses, you know, larger budgets, smaller budgets. Uh, you know, we've had bishops that have attended in the past as well. We have, uh, you know, liturgies every day, which are always a treat to, to be able to come together and, and, and pray and, and, and experience the local church experience uh, as well, which is, is great. And this is the 100th anniversary of the Catholic Press Association this year, so it's kind of a, a special uh, anniversary for, for them as well. And so uh, they've got some exciting events planned here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so um, I know the conference is just starting. Are there any any thing that you're looking forward to for uh, the rest of the week? You know, I always find uh, as much value in the, the, the moments in between the formal sessions uh, myself. You know, the, the formal sessions, you, you always pick up a little something, but it's really the informal moments when you are at a meal or, or you know, socializing with yeah. other folks where you get a chance to, to sort of, uh, you know, vent a little bit or, you know, uh, put out a scenario and say, what are you, what, what are you guys done in this situation? Yeah. And it's really helpful to just have that support because for so many of these people uh, that are here this week, you know, are often working on their own or with very little in the way of additional resources so it is very much a support network for us to come together and, and tackle uh, the challenges that we do. And even if it's just for a few days a year, you kind of walk away feeling re-energized and affirmed in the work that you're doing and, and recognizing that you're not going through this alone. And that's that's it reassuring and knowing that we're you know not only practically speaking uh, supporting each other, but also spiritually we're praying for each other as well. Yeah, that's. Uh, the, I'm glad you mentioned that, those little moments that happen in between sessions. Um, those personal connection moments and that 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 help feed you in what you do, but also help create church. Um, Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Neil. It's been great. I I hope you enjoy the rest of the the time at the convention, and uh, thank you for uh, sharing with us a little bit of your insights uh, today. Well, thanks, Pedro. I know that uh, all the listeners are certainly in our thoughts and prayers because ultimately uh, they're the ones we're trying to communicate with. So they're uh, here with us in spirit. And thanks for having me today. Not a problem. Neil McCarthy is the Communications Director for the Archdiocese of Toronto. He was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for the Catholic Media Convention. I spoke to him earlier this week. Coming up, World Youth Day is coming to Madrid, so here's the theme song for the event, Firm in the Faith.
nuestro Señor, haznos firmes en ti, haznos firmes en ti. Firmes en la fe, firmes en la fe, caminamos en Cristo, nuestro amigo, nuestro Señor. Gloria siempre a Él. That was the original theme song for World Youth Day 2011, Firm in the Faith, written by Monsignor Cesar Franco and composed by Father Enrique Vasquez. Now, I'm hoping that we don't need to spend too much time explaining World Youth Day. It's the largest Catholic event in the world, takes place every three years or so. Last time it took place in Sydney in 2008, and this year it will be in Madrid, August 16th to the 21st. Now, every World Youth Day has the same events, catechesis, youth festival, there's a way of the cross on the Friday, a papal welcome ceremony, and a Saturday night vigil with the Holy Father, and then the highlight of the event, which is the closing mass. But every World Youth Day also has its unique elements. And to tell us what will be different in Madrid, we are joined now by Salt and Light's Rome correspondent, Alicia Ambrosio. Alicia, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much, Pedro. I guess we should say I'm the Madrid correspondent Yes, now. I was going to say that. So you are a Rome correspondent, but for the last five months or so, you've been in Madrid. So what have you been doing there? Well, I've been part of the communication team. If, uh, if our listeners have been checking out the madrid11.com site, they'll notice that it is kind of set up like a news website. Yes, I've been working on the team that puts together the news stories, both the print and the video news stories for that website. Okay, good. Yes. And you've also been, of course, sending us a little bit. You've been doing a little bit of corresponding. So you have been sending Salt and Light a little bit of World Youth Day uh, content as well. Yes, that's right. And there's more on its way. 
Yeah, so any of the, the, the World Youth Day uh, information that you see on the Salt and Light blog, for example, a lot of that comes either directly from Alicia or through, Ali through someone else from Alicia. Um, and also the information that you see at, at wydcentral.org, which is our World Youth Day website operated. So, so that's what Alicia's been doing. So um, what are some basic details that are different for this World Youth Day, like the theme, for example? Well, um, one of the things, I mean, the, there's a lot of unique features to this World Youth Day because they wanted to have a very Spanish feel, el sabor español. Uh -huh. So, I mean, that starts right with the simple things like the meals, the meal packages. Most pilgrims are used to having to pick up these meal packets that are made for like five people. But that's going to be different in Madrid. You're going to actually get vouchers that can be used at a whole chain of different restaurants throughout Madrid. So okay. you get more choice. Okay. Uh, and the packets don't come into play until the night of the vigil at Cuatro Vientos. Right. But there's a few other things that are different. Um, as you mentioned, Don Cesar Franco wrote the theme song, Firmes en la Fe, Firm yeah. in the Faith. Who is he? And he is an auxiliary bishop of Madrid, but he's also the general coordinator of World Youth Day Madrid. He's okay. the person overseeing everything for the archbishop, for the archdiocese okay. of Madrid. Right. Now, the song, well, it wasn't as um, happily received by audiences as they would have hoped. It's right. a beautiful song. Yes, we just heard it. Yes, but didn't quite tickle the fancy of all the youth that, who heard it. Yep. So... Madrid had a song contest. Huh. They decided they would try to find songs written by youth for youth to play during the main events at World Youth Day. And actually, the winners of that contest were announced just this past Wednesday. So right. we have uh, five artists, one from Nepal, one from Colombia, one from France, one from Italy, and one from Spain. And you can actually listen to the, the winning songs through the Madrid 11 website. Okay. Uh, That's good news, actually. Someone from Nepal. That's amazing. Yes. Do, yes, exactly. His do, name is Daryl Wilson, and he sings a song called We've Been Made One. Interesting. So do you, you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Do you know, and you might not know, so, but do you know if these are going to be compiled into an album or a CD or they're... Uh, or anything like that, a soundtrack, or that hasn't been hasn't announced been. yet. It hasn't been decided yet. One of the one of the challenges is that these people are coming from different parts of the world. Yes, and at the moment, not expected to arrive in Madrid until just before World Youth Day. So I think we're just now working out the logistics of how that might happen, how a soundtrack CD might be put together. Okay, good. Now, what 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 other things are unique to this World Youth Day? Well, this World Youth Day is 100% natural. And uh, some people say that sounds like yogurt. But what it means is that it's the first World Youth Day that is zero emissions. Really? So, yes. What does that the mean? The Archdiocese and World Youth Day Madrid have been working with a company here in Spain called Avengoa that specializes in carbon footprint reduction. So there's going to be a whole bunch of different green initiatives during World Youth Day. One of them is really neat. You'll be able to check it out during the vigil at Patro Vientos. There's going to be a bicycle station. Now, these bikes, you don't you can't take them out of Cuatro Vientos, but you can get on the bikes and start pedaling and actually generate your own energy to be able to recharge cell phones, laptops, 
whatever else interesting. is interesting. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole bunch of other different um, green eco initiatives going on throughout World Youth Day. But that is by far the most interesting. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Now, I know that the, the pilgrimage route to the, to the final uh, site, Cuatro Vientos, which is an airport, an Air Force base, where the vigil and the mass will take place. So, so, so traditionally, every Saturday morning, pilgrims walk to the site. And it's a little bit of a pilgrimage. And this one is called the Green Route or La Ruta Verde. Does that have a connection with the fact that it's a green event or it just happens to be green because it's parks? It, well, the original plan was that there would be bikes available to, so that people could cycle along that route. Until they realized that there was one problem, there would be nowhere to park the bikes at Cuatro Vientos. Right. But they kept the name Ruta Verde because it is still, walking is a very eco-friendly way of transportation. Yes. So, so they kept the name Ruta Verde. And of course, it's also called the Ruta Verde because about 95% of it is all through parks. So you can get from downtown Madrid, from Principe Pio uh, metro station, all the way to Cuatro Vientos, walking through parks. Nice. which is really handy because it's going to be really, really hot in August. And these parks have water fountains, both for drinking and for running through. And there's shade and there's places to rest. So uh, nobody will uh, die of heat stroke on their yes, way to yes, Cuatro no, that, That's good to know. That's good to know. Pack your water bottles. Um, the, the, the one thing that's that's usually also quite unique to every World Youth Day is the Way of the Cross on the Friday night. Do you have any details as to how different this Way of the Cross will be? Right. So for people who remember the Way of the Cross in Toronto or the Way of the Cross in Sydney, um, they'll remember very theatrical productions that involved actors who are actually walking the route. Yes. Um, this is going to be different. Now, Spain has a tradition. You might have seen a report that I did for the World Youth Day website back during Holy Week. But Spain has a Holy Week tradition that involves um, elaborate processions using what you and I would call statues. Uh -huh. So statues of the different stations of the cross. They are beautifully, beautifully done. Some of them are very old. And they're going to be coming one uh, paso, they're called pasos. Uh -huh. There will be a paso from several different um, cities in Spain, and they're going to be brought to Madrid, especially for the Via Crucis. And they are essentially going to be um, lined up along Paseo del, del Prado, Paseo del Recoletos, the main avenue uh -huh. in Madrid. And pilgrims will be on either side, or pilgrims will be lined up along this paseo and of course there'll be someone leading the stations of the cross and there will actually be a cross that is carried from station to station and a reflection that is read at every station so it, it will be a little bit different in that sense and don't expect the the university avenue kind of theatrical production this is going to be a very spanish via crucis very solemn very prayerful um you know, memorable in its own way. Yes. No, it'll be good. Um, do you know? Do you know how many pilgrims they're expecting? Is that sort of uh, that number estimated yet? We are expecting about a million. 
Um, we are at about 400,000 at the moment, if uh -huh. I have my numbers correct. And we're expecting a, just a major push to happen in the last, in the next 60 yeah. days. Everyone, is, as we all know, Spaniards and Europeans tend to leave things to the last minute because they can, because they can hop in their cars and drive over. Yes. Um, so we are expecting about a million, but we're also counting that some of the people who are going to take part in the main events, so the opening mass and the closing mass, are going to be people from Madrid, not necessarily yes. World Youth Day pilgrims. So we are expecting that the final numbers at Cuatro Vientos will probably be um, a million and a half, close to two million. Yeah, which is, which is normally what happens with World Youth Day. So you have the, the number of registered pilgrims, and then you have people who just show up to see the Pope or at the final Mass, which is the highlight, like I said, or the main event. Alicia, we need to leave it there, but that's thanks for the update. Um, you got uh, two, busy, two, two busy months coming up, so I will not take two too much. Two very busy months yes, ahead. We won't take too much more of your time, so thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was Alicia Ambrosio. She is our Salt and Light Rome correspondent now in Madrid, working for the Communications Office for World Youth Day Madrid. Remember to check out the website madrid11.com and also check the Salt and Light World Youth Day page, wydcentral.org. You can uh, find archived material about all World Youth Days, videos about previous World Youth Days, and during the event you'll be able to stream uh, all the salt and light coverage of World Youth Day at that site, wydcentral.org. Here now to stir up some memories for you is the theme song from World Youth Day 2002 in Toronto, Light of the World. Celui que de nos yeux nous avons vu Celui que de nos mains nous avons pu toucher Celui que nos oreilles ont entendu Celui que dans nos cœurs nous avons rencontré Voilà celui que nous vous annonçons Qui a resplendi sur la terre où nous vivons So many in our world drift into sleep only know a darkness without end let brothers rise to call them from the deep let sisters take the hands to heal and be their friends together let us stand against the storm and in the heart of night be the watchers of We're listening to Light of the World, the theme song for World Youth Day 2002, written and composed by Father Robert LaBelle. And that will take us to the end of the program, our last program of the season. Starting next week and for the rest of the summer, we'll be playing some of our best interviews of the year. So tune in for those that you may have missed. 
Our executive producer is Father Thomas Rosica. Our sound engineer is Javier Capella. Thank you to our contributors, Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood uh, missionary, Jillian Cantor, our parenting expert, Chris Giardino, for his DVD picks, Jenna Murphy, Lawrence Foucault, and Chris Dimitrenko. Check our website, saltonlighttv.org. Thank you for listening. Have a great summer. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Visage de